Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This episode is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, an audit analytics service provider that works with internal audit departments that have data analysts and are still frustrated with trying to make analytics actually work, aren't getting the expected ROI, who can't break through the communication barrier between the analysts and the audit team, and those that need experienced direction for an audit analytics strategy and process. Those that feel like they've wasted time and money on trainings, aren't getting the value they want, not prioritizing the highest risk areas for the organizations, or have projects that seemingly never get completed. Do you deal with any of that? If you do, go to the show notes of this episode and click the Green Skies Analytics link, or go to greenskiesanalytics.com to schedule a call and understand how Green Skies Analytics makes analytics actually work for internal audit. Hello, everybody. I'm Trent Russell, and this is the Audit Podcast. Today on the show, we have Jeremy Holly. He is the Chief Audit Executive at Wintrust Financial Corporation. Jeremy has a somewhat unique background as a chief audit executive in that he grew up as an IT auditor, which I don't, I haven't seen a ton of. I know on the show we talk about it and Jeremy mentions there are more of them out there. So it's not just him, but considering the impact that IT obviously has on our organizations, it would make sense that we would have more CAEs with IT backgrounds, IT audit backgrounds. And so I was curious about Jeremy's journey and how he got from IT auditor to CAE. And so he speaks to that, which I thought was super interesting. And some of the issues that I think that CAEs without IT audit backgrounds have, if we flip those, those are what I was curious about with an IT background person. So typically CAE, CPA background, maybe like the cybersecurity knowledge or IT knowledge in general. So the other side of that coin is Hey, Jeremy, as an IT person, how do you understand and deal with more CPA related issues when it comes to socks and other uh, areas like that within the business? And continuing with one of my favorite questions to ask chief audit executives is, hey, I'm sure you know the audit thing very, very well. We all are really good at that. It's the executive piece that seems like is holding us back as auditors. And so we talk about how can you get that of course, seat at the table, and how can you develop into an executive? Like, what does that actually take? And then lastly, ESG isn't going away, and there's not a lot of how-to on ESG, and so we ask where Jeremy and his team, where they are with ESG, and how they are addressing ESG. Here we go. You're one of the few, probably the only one that I know, but statistically, there's got to be more of them, I'm sure. Uh, CAEs that have like an IT audit background though. So well, I know when I was IT audit, I was like, well, I'm, there aren't a lot of CAEs that have IT audit backgrounds. Is there even a path for me to get there one day? Um, despite the fact that IT is obviously a huge risk and something that we need to know a lot about. So anyway, uh, can you kind of share your journey from IT auditor to CAE and really kind of think of it from the perspective of folks like myself who were in IT audit have CAE aspirations and maybe they don't see a path there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's right. I, I, I spent, um, you know, a little more than 13 years in public accounting doing IT audit kind of technology assurance work. 
Um, I spent five years as an IT audit director. And so, you know, I would say even, even myself, when I was an IT audit director and kind of talking like, hey, what's next? What's, you know, career growth yeah. opportunities? There wasn't a lot of talk around, you know, kind of chief audit executive roles. I always thought, you know, it's like CISO, uh, data governance, or, you know, second line IT risk, uh, things like that, right? That's that's kind of where the conversations lead. Uh, it, it got a little bit, you know, FinTech companies started, you know, looking at IT auditors as, as chief audit executives, but I was, you know, pretty much solely in banking for the majority of my career or some sort of financial services. So in that realm, it seemed unlikely. Um, I do think that that's shifted a lot. I, I know, um, I probably know three or four of my old peers that were IT audit directors that are now CAEs. Um, you know, a few other people that I've, I've run into, and I'm, I'm sure now there's, there's a handful. Uh, my company that I worked for, when they were looking for a, a chief audit executive, uh, they realized and, and sort of had that conversation with me that there was more and more conversation happening in their meetings around uh, technology-like uh, topics, cyber, you know, um, transformational items, right? Project management, data governance, privacy, like all these things that were really driving uh, dialogue. Uh, you, you know, I looked at you, listened to one of your podcasts uh, maybe a month ago. Uh, one of my kind of mentors, old boss, uh, Mike Balberni was on here and you asked him, what's your audit committee asking you about? And he said, right. in the audit event, you know, the last four years, the level of granularity around cyber type topics, right? I think he said access and segregation of duties, but it but it has become such a, a common conversation that I think we'll continue to see a shift in the, the CAE role. Um, we still talk about other stops, right? I mean, uh, you got to be you got to be knowledgeable of those things that it continues to kind of grow but really business processes are so heavily technology um you know intertwined today that um you know it makes sense and so you know to your question like well what would i tell an it auditor today i mean you know technology audit technology skills are sort of industry agnostic you can you can i've always told you it's great to be an ic auditor because you can kind of jump any industry you want any great opportunity and and you're going to do well because yeah. technology is technology there's there's you know differences here and there but for the most part you, you're going to be successful but you know if you're in an industry that you enjoy learn the business process right you you, you know hone your skill in technology and cyber and all these things but but learn the business process and the more that you can you know, kind of stack that knowledge of how the business works on top of your technology knowledge. I mean, it's it's really invaluable today. Even as an IC auditor, it's invaluable. But as an ability to continue to grow your career and audit, uh, you know, that will help. I think we will continue to see our headcount get more, you know, percentage-wise is going to continue the, the technology portion of audit departments is going to continue to get a little bit bigger you know, every year. It'll never be all IT auditors, like I think that sometimes people say, but, um, you know, we're going to continue to grow that. And so there's no reason that the leadership levels won't continue to grow with that as well. Um, you know, like I said, you kind of, you think about it, and, you know, banking anyway, which, which is where I spend most of my time or right now all the time, but, uh, you know, we've had a lot of things, right? The LIBOR transition and CECL and uh, we had a you know banking crisis this year where liquidity and ALM came back to the forefront. 
So those things always become board level and you're going to have that. But it, but really, you know, kind of back to that, that conversation, when you take a step back and you look at what's the most consistent every quarter topic, you know, for the past five years, it really is a lot of technology led uh, items. And so I, I, I think we'll continue to see that. We'll continue to see more of a career path for people with an IT audit background to continue an audit. And I think that's fantastic because, you know, we, we all, we were, we were sort of coaching people out of IT audit when they got to manager because there's only so many director roles, there wasn't anywhere else to go. And, and I think we're going to, we'll see more and more now be able to, to, uh, kind of make it to chief audit executive that. Yeah. And I don't, I'm kind of tired of people talking about their brand and like, what's your brand? You know, like that to me, it's, I don't know. I'm just tired of hearing it, to be honest. Uh, and I'm sure there's probably a better term for it. I'm not the person to come up with that. But I think about when I was uh, data analytics for internal audit as a full-time employee, I was the data guy. And I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to be like the data guy because then I get pigeonholed and I'm just the data guy. I want to be like the business guy. You know, like I want you to know that I understand the business and I'm going to use my data skills to give you the insights that you need on the business. But please don't brand me um as the data guy and i think it's similar for it auditors like that's your skill set that's great and wonderful but don't be the it guy or girl um you know be the, the person that knows the business um the other thing i was seeing when you were going through that was i think it'd be important for folks who want to be caes with an it background even when they're going through the interview process, you know, if you get that whatever standard question, like why should we give you the job or, you know, whatever it is, I would love, I would love the opportunity to go, what's the, the top two topics that the audit community has been talking about, the C-suite's been talking about over the past, you said five years. So yeah, we'll just say five years and there'd be, you know, uh, cyber and, you know, maybe ESG and you go cyber. Yeah, that's okay. me. You know, like I can speak to that. So I think that would be uh, interesting. I'd love to I'd love to just answer that question just for them to go, oh, sh yeah, I never really thought about that. We probably should bring in IT as a CAD. No, that's exactly right. Um, you know, even we hire people that are, you know, IT auditors, same thing you just said. I agree. Like, I hate branding people. Don't, you know, we need people that know that are, that have subject matter knowledge and especially the internal audit. You, you can't, uh, you don't have this uh, in public. You've got this like, you know, network of, uh, you know, thousands of people across the country you can lean on. And an internal audit, you know, you're not going to have that. Uh, you, you, we do that by using the external, um, you know, co-source uh, uh, people. But, um, you know, kind of internally, nobody, no IT auditor ever wants to do the, like, uh, business process um, uh, controls, right? Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Applicable yeah. Controls. They want yeah. to do, like, the core technology. Right. But it's like you want to coach people all the time, like, go do that. Go do the segregation of duties control where you're helping out the mortgage team where you're helping out because you're going to even even inadvertently, you're going to learn more about how something works in the business. And all of that kind of makes you smarter, makes it, it, it really makes the IT knowledge that much more valuable, right? And, um, you know, I, I, I agree with you, like, I mean, I. It's really easy to, to pigeonhole somebody in those roles, but um, if we can if we can help to to take the the people with the IT audit knowledge, kind of the base knowledge, and continue to expand their knowledge of the entire company process, business, whatever the industry is, 
um, you know, it's, it's, it's such, it's such great knowledge. And as you, as you advance, I mean, you're, you're not going to know everything, right. You know, being a generalist is fine. Um, having some, you know, specialties is always good. Um, it's going to be hard to be, you can't be a specialist at everything. You can't be the subject matter expert in everything. I, I'm the same, I have the same thing. I mean, when, when I interviewed for CEE, I, I told the, uh, both the executives I was interviewing with and the board that, uh, while I was strong in these areas and I felt like I knew, you know, a lot of banking kind of end to end and a lot of technology, cyber, you know, business resiliency, these, these topics, there were things around, uh, you know, financial reporting or credit or, uh, derivatives or things like that, that, that I'd never spent time auditing. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta know your strengths, you gotta know your weaknesses. Um, and then you, and then as a CEE, you build around that, right? So you build around those weaknesses and, and make sure you have people that are there that can help you know, fill in and cover those gaps for you. Yeah, let, let's sit on that a little bit because I know if it was me, especially at a bank where financial statements are, you know, uh, the auditing is a huge piece of that. Financial statement audit is a huge piece of that. And the CAE leading those conversations or having those conversations with the rest of the C-suite and the stakeholders and everybody else. And as someone who's not a CPA, I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> like... I don't know. Uh, is this a big deal? You know, like I would definitely have to bring someone with me to have that conversation. So how do you kind of navigate that? Now, I guess it's similar to a lot of what I would say if we just brand it, I guess, as CPA auditors and like IT type folks, it's usually the CPA who's a CAE at a financial institution who has to bring in someone else to go. I don't speak to cyber. So how do you do that from the like financial, I mean, uh, like the financial statement perspective? Well, I think just like what you said, I mean, it's, it's, it's just the inverse of of what it what it used to be. And so if you used to really lean on a financial reporting CPA as your 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 CNE, as cyber and all these technology, you know, things came to the forefront of of your board meetings and your audit committee and your and really your audit scope and uh, where your resources were spending time, they had to fill in with people who do that. And I and I did I do the opposite of that. And um, you know, we we can we, I have people and I've hired people, but also, you know, typically in your, in your audit committees, you have uh, your external auditors that are there. Well, they're very concentrated on financial reporting, SOX controls, all of that. Your SOX office is there, right? If you, if you don't do the SOX, but they're, you know, they're there talking about the results of that work, your CFO, your controller, I mean, those people are always, almost always in the room for audit committee. And so there's a wealth of knowledge around those topics. Now it's not, you know, independent necessarily. And so, um, you know, as we're doing our work, you know, throughout the year, yes, we gotta, I got to make sure that I've got people that, that can audit that stuff, um, that know more about it and have more of a, a depth of knowledge than I do. But in the conversations with audit committee, you know, as the other stuff comes up, I'm able to, you know, kind of articulate, talk through all of the technology things and um, kind of keep that going. And then if I need to, and, and there's, a, I mean, I have an example this year, even uh, derivatives became a big topic at our board level. Uh, I did not spend any time in my career auditing derivatives uh, or learning, you know, kind of technical accounting around derivatives. Um and I had to bring people in, and that's what I did. I, I knew I didn't know it, and so uh, we had the, we had uh, a meeting. I had people there specifically to talk about that. 
and to make sure that we covered everything that was needed. And, you know, I don't think at no point do does that do you, does your um, your audit committee lose confidence in you for um, for having to do that, right? You know, the, the phrase like, you know, fake it till you make it, like that does not apply with your board. It does not apply to the regulators either. Yeah. So don't <laughs> fake that. Just just be self-aware of of what what topics you, you're not strong in and bring the people there that, that can help um, have that conversation on your behalf. And it's kind of, it's kind of, um, it's the same. It's really no different, I think, than if uh, you're the you know, CAE and you happen to have more depth of knowledge in, in the kind of accounting topics and those kind of things. Yeah, there was a CIE I worked with and there was a breach at this organization. And he was like, hey, IT audit director, uh, go understand what happened, and then you and I are going to go talk to the audit committee chair. And basically, like he kicked the thing off, and then he's like, "All right, IT audit director, tell us what's going on." Yeah, you know, obviously they talked beforehand, so it wasn't just that cut and dry. But for the most part, it kind of was. Um, and so, yeah, I do think that is important, depending on whatever side of the fence you're on. Unless you're one of those unicorn CPA IT audit, you know, just that's how you spend your life is understanding both sides. But um, yeah, I think the advice on on understanding kind of your strengths and weaknesses and leveraging other people and being okay with that is fantastic. Yeah, I do think you know what when I took this job, I knew that you know I, I think all auditors, right? Continuing education not only is it required, but it's and it's paramount to 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 staying on top of the the field and sort of what we do for a career. So I have concentrated the majority of my uh, I would say education of the last five years on things that I didn't know as yeah. much about. I tried to get at least uh, some level of knowledge or could talk you know a, a little bit more intelligently on some things that, that not that I didn't understand before but I just never really had an opportunity or never was asked to spend a lot of time in. So you know either way I, I, I think CAEs who, who are deep in technology, they're having to learn it, right? They're having to understand breaches, they're having to understand, you know, resiliency and cyber, all those things, because you you can prepare for the conversations you know about, but but you don't always know. I mean, yeah. we, we get questions all the time out of the loop, uh, whether it's uh, executives, uh, board members, or whether it's regulators. And so I, I don't want to ever be caught completely flat-footed. Um, so I'm always trying to learn on uh, those things, the things that I didn't know. But but yeah, for any 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 conversation of depth, I, I think any you gotta be confident enough to say I don't know it. And yeah, bring the person there. It also gives them a chance to show their skill, right? Their leadership ability. Let them thrive in front of the board or, or executives and uh, help grow their career. So and they'll appreciate that a ton. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm curious. So you said. I was just thinking about the the meetings in general that I've been in where someone gets a question directed to them and you can tell that they don't know what they're talking about. And they're just talking for the sake of talking and you're just like, dude, shut up. You're not saying anything of any value. Um, you've been around for a long time, so you, I definitely I don't want this to be like, oh yeah, it happens at my current company all the time. But have you experienced that also? Or just like, we get it, you don't know, just shut up and pass it on to whoever might know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, often actually. Probably. Yeah, okay. That's what I was trying to get, yeah. but I didn't, yeah, I don't want you to call I, anybody I, out. I, I know that I'm never on the other side of that. I mean, it's a kind of a pet peeve of mine. I, I feel like I pride myself on being able to say, let me get back to you on that, uh, or let me get the right person here to, to talk. 
um you know i feel like it's a little bit of an ego thing and sometimes it's like i, I don't ever want to have a so much of an ego that i can't say i don't know something uh, i'm sure it's happened but uh yes very very familiar with that and i've i've spent a lot of time in my career coaching people on you know, and it's hard to tell you this, but it was very obvious. You had no idea. But <laughs> you, could have, you could have just said you didn't know how to answer that in about 10 seconds instead of the three minutes of rambling that, yeah. that didn't really accomplish anything. Yeah. And there's probably a strategic way to, instead of just going, I don't know, yeah, that, uh, <laughs> to, to do that. Yeah. Um, but either way, maybe that's a uh, show for a, a different day. But all right, let's say you're CAE now and you've made it past it, your IT auditor, your CAE. Uh, obviously, the conversation around seat at the table, which is another phrase that I don't like but haven't spent enough time to come up with a better way to say it, is always a hot topic amongst internal audit. Some, it, it's based on who was there before them and they left a good, That's I don't want to say, yeah, they left a good impression, so you basically just kind of had to fill it in and not, you know, carry the torch and not screw it up, basically. Um, there's other areas where the person before was just, they weren't very effective or there was already this perspective from the CEO, the rest of the, the board that's like, audit sucks. We don't need them for anything. So, so maybe for those folks, like how can we actually get the seat of the table? How do you earn it? Might be another way of asking it. Yeah. Obviously uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I will say where I, where I spend my time and most of, of my experience, especially when it's stuck in an internal audit, has been in such heavily regulated, you know, public large companies that you almost don't have a choice, right? Your seat at the table is sort of dictated yeah. by uh, guidance and, and regulatory expectations, but that doesn't mean that it's meaningful, right? And if it's uh, if it's just a uh, if you're just there as a you know figurehead or um, you know because they felt obligated to, to put you there, it's, it doesn't accomplish anything. Um, so it, you know. It, you, you have to show value. Um, I, I actually think, I mean, audit is so influential one-on-one. -on -one. And if you've made it this far, you have really thick skin already. Uh, it's just the nature of the business. So a lot of that building your reputation, you know, I was kind of new in this role, uh, but even in other roles that I've had, I mean, you you have to build those, those relationships one-on-one. -on -one. You've got to be able to, to to explain and show value. Uh, sometimes you're right. Maybe that your predecessor uh, didn't leave audit in a good place, or maybe that that they didn't. What they didn't do was help explain what what the purpose of audit is, how we add value, what our goals are. Uh, really, you know, being transformation or uh, not transformational, but transparent, mm -hmm. right? And I think that that's key. Um, you know, no, you know, no surprise, that kind of thing. The more, the more that I've been able to develop good relationships where I want to be influential, the more valuable then that seat at the table becomes, because then, then you feel like you have allies at the table. If you're there and you're like, you're the, you're the enemy, right? Like we don't want audit here. Or you have that feeling that, okay, this is like a fake meeting. And then there's another meeting that happens. <laughs> invited, yeah. Right. Though that's where it's like, it's meaningless. It doesn't matter if you have the seat or not. If you if you if you've built enough allies there that they understand, number one, you're not the enemy. You're you, you want the company to be successful, um, and our goal is, you know, to point out and and help to to resolve, you know, gaps in the environment. 
th then that's either but then then you've really earned a seat at the table right um so you know i think if you don't have it you you just have to demand it and hopefully yeah. your audit committee is connected enough and, and is um influential enough that you can go to your audit committee and say i don't you know i'm i need to be in these meetings i'm, I'm not being allowed they they should help get you there as well if you can't do it on your own um but when you're there it doesn't matter if you're there and uh you know you're you're not respected or there's um there's you know, not not wanted. You guys are really built that that relationship with with the leader leadership in your company. You know, your executives, uh, the the people that are influential in those meetings. You know, whether it's the chair of the meeting, uh, whatever it is, what committees and that kind of stuff. Um, so they know why you're there and what your purpose. Because then sometimes I've I'll actually have people call on me in a meeting, and they and they call they're like, oh, they're going to call on an audit to to comment and. It's because they already know, and other people already know that there's an opinion that we have, or there's there's a value that we can add, or, or something we can say that the whole group can can take, uh, you know, get values from. Um, and I think that's where you've kind of earned a seat at the table. It's, you know, but it, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's one of those. Um, it's kind of one of all those phrases, right? Like you, you need a seat at the table and. Um, I, it, it is, it, you do need a seat at the table, but, but you gotta, ha you gotta, you gotta earn that seat a little bit and you gotta make sure that when you're there, it's, uh, you're adding value or else it's not really what, not really meaningful. Do you feel like there's other, I'll just say professions like an audit we hear it talked about a lot. Do you feel like there's amongst the CFOs or COOs, CMOs, CROs, they're having these same conversations? Like how do we get a seat at the table? Do you feel like it's more. And this is yeah. probably anecdotal than more than anything, but yeah, I do. Uh, I had a, uh, I will, I will out with him, but I, I had lunch with a, with a peer, uh, executives, uh, just this week who was asking me how to get invited to nice. the meetings and, uh, also asking if I knew or aware of other, uh, committees or meetings or, or things that were occurring that, that they should be either more informed of or be a part of. Um, and so, you know, it's not my decision necessarily, but I could help educate and coach them to, it is very important that you get there. You should be asking, you know, your manager, um, you know, we should be talking about it. You know, I, I'll even can, can give a, you know, a pitch for, Hey, we really need this person in the, in the meeting. So it does happen. I think some roles it's automatic. You're sort of granted that seat and then there's other roles that as the maturity of that function, you know, kind of continues to advance and they get, you know, uh, their, their place in the organization continues to, to move up or become more significant with different things going on. Uh, and, and, you know, ESG is one of those things, right? You got people that are kind of head of, you know, DE and I, they need, they haven't had a seat at the table. They need more of a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. Got people that are running properties that need more seat at the table. There's a lot of things like that that, are, that evolve as as industry and things evolve. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, you mentioned ESG. Still a hot topic. I know when I was talking to, I can't remember if it was a CAE or an audit committee chair who it was, but they were like, yep, the only two things they ever ask about, cyber and ESG. That's all we get, That's all we ever talk about anymore. Um, and you said something kind of off air about there are no experts on this really, especially likely internal. There's, there's I know there's, 
at least one PhD that I'd talked to, you know, was like, yeah, I've been doing this for like 15, 20 years. I did it, you know, as part of the EU. And so, you know, but there's not a lot, you know, there's a ton of SOX experts out there and audit from senior all the way up to CAE, but mm, not so much on the ESG yet. Um, so practically, like, what are you guys doing? What does it look like? What are the conversations you're having? Like, what are you actually doing around ESG to this point that you're able to share with those that are still like, I don't know what is going on with this? Well, I mean, I'll caveat with, I'm definitely not an expert. Um, it is top of mind. It is a constant conversation. It's not going away. Um, you know, we're, we're making uh, very intentional strides within our audit department on what, what what our plan is, what we're doing today, what we plan on doing tomorrow, that kind of stuff. Uh, but I think management is super right in it. I would say in most topics, the real experts probably aren't in audit anyway. Mm -hmm. And so this topic is tough because to your point, there's really no experts in the business yet either because we're all trying to figure it out. So what, what we're doing is, um, I mean, for one, I said I'm lucky. Our, our company's taking it very seriously. You know, we've, we've set up a, a formal executive ESG committee. We have very specifically laid out what our uh, board governance looks like for ESG and, and, and updated charters and things like that. So those things are very helpful when you're in audit that management is is kind of going already down that strength. For for us, we we've kind of we started maybe last year kind of addressing it sort of like a new product or uh, an acquisition, you know, new regulations, things like that. Uh, we weren't going to go out and start flinging audit findings. Uh, we knew management was trying to figure it out. So it was really about saying, uh, is governance being set up appropriately? Yeah. Are we starting with, you know, who's making the decisions or at the right level? Um, you know, regulatory expectations were starting to be defined more clearly and, and still more clearly. And, uh, you know, do we think we're going to be, we are setting ourselves up for success, um, understanding the organizational goals around that. I mean, some of this stuff may be, uh, hey, we don't want to own any property anymore because we don't want to have to deal with some of the disclosure on, uh, you know, own, you know, climate type stuff related yeah. to, I mean, buildings and stuff like that. But, um, a lot of larger companies, especially public companies, we've been putting out these kind of corporate responsibility reports for a while. Uh, but it wasn't, I won't say that it was really top of mind for audit. We also, a lot of the data that's in ESG, um, you know, community service hours or charitable donations, we kind of, you'd put those out, whether it was social media or an marketing material, it was on our website. We didn't audit that stuff. So well, we spent the last year kind of working with management to say, this stuff's got to become audible now. Yeah. And instead of it being maybe posted note type, you know, controls, it's like, we need a process set up. This is, a, this is really a big data, you know, exercise. So can, can we, can we ensure that the, now that we're going to report uh, something in community service report on, you know, you know, charitable donations, but we can tie that back to something because that also may become a disclosure in an SEC document now, right? Or uh, we say that all of our buildings are, you know, certain level of, uh, you know, compatible or, or acceptable and, you know, climate type regulations. Well, can we actually audit that back to the original data now because that's moved over to a disclosure? And even then, I mean, it, does that report tie to this report, this disclosure, all that? So we're trying to make sure audit wise that the 
almost like flowchart, right? That that these processes now have control around them. They have some level of review. Um, if we're aggregating data, it's like you do a lot of data aggregation here to do this kind of stuff. Is it coming from you know the right sources? Is it coming from systems of record? Um, you know, we used to sort of take uh, well. There, there are certain certain numbers that may just come from people submitted emails with yeah, yeah about you know about ten thousand sure and you know that's not that's not going to be acceptable anymore so it's really working with management on all right what's your plan for a process where's that data going to be housed how what's what are the controls around inputs to it and then how are we going to aggregate it you know to the top people are reading these things now they read these reports and you know it, it's not just a tweet with uh you know how many hours our team spent doing community service it's actually going into a document that investors are reading and everything else so um we, we have not made an ESG audit. I know some of my peers have, have been doing that. Uh, right now, we've just kind of upped the ante on like our real estate audit, our HR audit, and, uh, all these things like, you know, more controls around some of what they do and, and how they do it. Uh, the social piece of ESG is kind of tough to audit. Yeah. Uh, the, the reality is, and I think we're, we're probably a lot of us are struggling with that. We've been a part of the programs and the goals and uh, same objectives around diversity, inclusion, and, and uh, you know for years. But now, like actually ensuring the initiatives have you know uh, oversight, they're monitored, they're me- monitored, they're measured. Um, you know, it's really ensuring there's more formality around all of that stuff. Yeah, I think that's that's helpful. I think to a lot of folks, they're going to find that helpful, especially the ones that feel like they're behind on ESG uh, to be able to hear, if nothing else, from from other folks, other auditors that are like, yeah, we're kind of trying to figure this out also, as well as the organization. And so I think that's going to be beneficial to uh, to the listeners. So we really appreciate that, as well as just the advice overall that you've given. I know I wish I had this, I, I had this conversation or this podcast to listen to when I was coming up through, um, you know, as an internal auditor, IT auditor going, all right, I guess I'll be a director and then I'll do that for the rest of my life, you know, or whatever the case is. So, uh, and also appreciate you mentioning, like I said, at the kind of when we opened, I was like, Jeremy, you're the only one I know. And he's like, well, no, I know at least like four, you know, myself, and I'm sure there's others. So uh, a message of hope, if nothing else, (laughs) call it that. But with all that said, um, what do you want to leave the audience with? I'll give you the floor. (laughs) Um, Yeah, interesting. I mean, you know, like kind of, kind of from what you just said, I wish, you know, I had this as well, right? As I was an auditor and, and quite frankly, I was an auditor for a number of years who was just looking for, to get out of audit. Yeah. <laughs> and well, looking back, it's like 25 years now or more in audit. And there were a lot of times that there's like no way I would still be audit. And so knowing, and I, and I think, you know, what, what I've been kind of talking to people about is, when you do a lot of career discussion or mentoring conversations, it, it, it always feels like when an auditor comes and talks to me, I say, okay, what do you want, you know, the next three years, three to five years? I mean, it is so rare that they tell me they want something in audit. It is almost always, oh, I want to I want to be over here in, in technology or over here in finance or over here at risk or whatever it is. And, and that's okay. I, I think audit audit is a great pipeline into other pieces of business. But I would also say right now, there's there's really been no greater time to embrace internal audit as a career than right now, right? So 
um, for years and years, auditors, especially, you know, public accounting, you know, like you were in and I was in for a long time, we wanted to be measured with output, right? And not how much time we sat in the seat uh, in some, you know, conference room or basement or, you know, some company's, uh, um, you know, uh, cubicle that they put us in. Spent so many years, you know, six or seven days a week working or at least being there all the right. time, middle of the night. And it's like, you know, right now there's been such a shift and I'm, I'm definitely not going to get into this whole remote versus in the office conversation. Cause I know it's deep to that, but no matter what that conversation has really helped force, you know, measure output, right? Measure the output of people. That's what people wanted for a long time. And I think it audit right now, it's colored less and less about number of hours and less and less about, um, you know, you know, look, I got to see you, you travel across the country, you know, six days a week. Uh, all over the place and more and more about getting really good output. So, you know, we're all, you know, uh, you know, uh, salaried employees. And so it's, this isn't about, Hey, we only want to work half the week. I think if you, you truly say that you're going to put, you know, 30 hours of solid output a week, and then you've got another, you know, 10 to 12 hours where you're doing your kind of career development, you know, continuous education. Uh, administrative meetings and stuff like that that happens. But if you're truly putting out 24, 30 hours worth what's an output a week, we've got to get our managers and audit to 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 respect that and, and understand that. That's our goals now, right? And it's a great time to actually say internal audit is a fantastic career or external audit, but uh, more a more clearly the last 10 years more connected with internal audit. Uh, but right now, to really to, to say that it's uh, professionally, you can, can continue to grow this, not use it as just a kind of a stepping stone or out to, to other roles. Um, the conversation we started with, right? You can you can actually be an IC auditor and have a 20-year or plus career uh, that, that is at stagnant, that continues to advance uh, and audit. And I think um, we're going to continue to see that, right? The profession is becoming uh, continued to come. Uh, more and more uh, prominent, important. Um, you, you see, chartered be about the number of positions that are available right now, uh, which drives me crazy because we're trying to recruit against all those things yeah. all the time. And it's like there's so many people that need really good auditors. Um, I don't know. It's just I, I think right now, like you could that whole thing. Audit always was hard. People want out of audit because there's no work life balance. And I think we 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 we've almost hit. I mean, maybe it's the one good thing that, that kind of came out of the end of this pandemic is work-life balance has sort of uh, become such. It's it's you know really life-work balance, right? It's become it's almost become one of the most talked-about things in audit right now. And I think that allows us really to to coach more people that this isn't you don't need it out. Like you can build a really yeah. successful long career in audit. So I don't know, but to do that, we, we, we really do have to, you know, people that have been managers and, and internal audit and external audit for years have, have got to really, we've got to learn how to measure output uh, and really that be our, our decided factor on performance and advancement and all those things and not just, you know, how many hours did you log this week? 
Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.